1: I HAD TO REUSE THIS AWESOME MUSIC! IT'S STILL THE NEW YEAR! IT'S FIRST FRIDAY. I THINK THEY'RE GONNA LIKE THE INTRO. I really do. I think they're going to like the intro. This is the Rundown.
0: Here's the intro. This is the
1: Catholic Disinfo Hour, celebrating its second year of weekly production. The Rundown is a collaborative Catholic news and opinion show endeavoring to expose and mock the Build Back Better New World Order in both civil society and the church. We've correctly predicted lockdowns, mandates, elections, and public frauds of all manner. Covidians hate us. Normies try to ignore us. And fake news organizations wish they could be us. This is the Rundown.
0: Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media RestoringTheFaith.com
1: was your bogus <laughs> or mass that was uh that was your that was around the world with your bogus no mass that was Spain that was Ireland that was Minnesota with backwards feet I mean that was awesome
2: <laughs> backwards feet that's great
1: <laughs> I mean that was okay so uh sorry tonight. this this happy first Friday happy first Friday happy, first Friday. Friday.
2: happy, new, year. happy new year happy New year good to
1: be here top happy, story tonight. happy New Disney. year Disney. It, Speaking of the, the Feast of the Epiphany, here's how Senator Ted Cruz described solemn it. solemn
3: anniversary this week, uh, and it is an anniversary of a violent Lang. terrorist attack on the Capitol where we saw the men and women of law enforcement demonstrate incredible courage,
4: incredible bravery, uh, risk their lives uh, to defend the men and women who serve in this Capitol. We are grateful for that courage. We appreciate uh, the selfless sacrifice uh, of the men and women who, who keep us safe. So.
1: Okay. And then one day later, he goes on with Tucker and he says, mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima Copa You called this a terror attack when by
4: no definition was it a terror attack. That's a lie. You told that lie on purpose. And I'm wondering why you did. Well, Tucker, thank you for having me on when you aired your episode last night. I I sent you a text shortly thereafter and said, listen, I'd like to go on because uh, the way I phrased things yesterday, it it was sloppy and and it was frankly dumb. I don't buy that. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, I don't buy that. Look, I've known you a long time since before you went to the Senate. You were a Supreme Court contender. You take words as seriously as any man who's ever served in the Senate. And every word you repeated that phrase, I do not believe that you used that accidentally.
1: I just don't. (laughs) It's so, <laughs> Well, what do we think? Do we think Ryan's that uh, Ted Cruz is controlled opposition? Do we think Ted Cruz kicked James out of the stream?
2: Oh, well, you do know, we he almost think- got away with it. He almost got away with
1: it. <clears throat> there we go. <laughs> uh, how, Ryan, help me understand this. How many parties are there in the United States of America?
5: one <laughs> one right answer, and the answer is one. <laughs> right
1: i thought ted cruz was gonna save us all you know what I, I have to be honest with you guys in in the 2016 election i was living in los angeles at the time i had a ted cruz sticker or a banner in my front yard ted cruz I gave the guys some money and i i I was one of the never trumpers i was like oh we have to stop trump you know he's gonna kill babies he's a democrat whatever ted cruz i repent of that now uh however many years later we are i repent of that ryan is ted cruz controlled opposition or more importantly is tucker carlson controlled opposition
4: Is Cruz controlled opposition? Uh, Hard to say. I mean, at at a certain level, they all are one way or the other. Um, I, you know, I never liked him to begin with. In 2016, I really couldn't support anybody. It was just one of those things where it's like they're all fake, one level or the other. Cruz's wife, that's just his word and his sex, the belly of the beast and whatever about them. Oh, we didn't, you know, we're not taking any loans for Goldman Sachs. There's definitely a conflict of interest there, as there is with almost anybody who's going to be an important politician. But this particular instance is, you know, I don't know if a screw is trying to play sides. There's one party and he's trying very much to show, hey, I'm the guy in this one party. I'm the important. And to me, right along with the meta narrative that's being proposed that January terrorist attack on par with 9-11 or like Pearl literally seeing it's sheer mental insanity. The type of things these people are saying, um, yeah, that there's things where I don't know what their mindset is, but what we actually saw was a bunch of misfits jump in to the Capitol and, one guy grabbed a podium. Some people fought with police. People who actually committed crimes should be charged with crimes. But I mean, mm-hmm. the idea that that people who overthrow governments for a living are cowering the the you know some guy with a Viking Davy Crockett hat is just absurd.
1: Yeah. Um, James, Ted Cruz is a national hero to many. Um he's perhaps one of the most articulate people in the Senate. He describes the events of the Epiphany in 2020 as a violent terrorist attack. Was it a violent terrorist attack?
2: Well, you're right. He is a hero. He's a Canadian hero. We can't forget that. Um, but whatever he uh, was describing and described it rather poorly, I'm glad Tucker Carlson was able to at least give him a platform to sound, uh, to, to hear The noise that he emitted from his mouth uh, the the day before, Um, because a lot of people, obviously it's been a whole year. So there's there's been a lot of there's been a lot of accounting that went into the events of that day. And everyone knows that these were just people who were uh, oblivious to what was going on. Most of them were just there to support uh, their president. And uh, a minority of them were controlled opposition. You know, some of them were even paid to look the other way. We had videos of – I mean, where's Cruz talking about the videos of uh, policemen pulling the barricade aside and saying, come on, let's go. Let's go and let's go in. Or officers saying – Which we've all seen. We've
1: all seen. We've all seen these videos, and yet they are removed from YouTube whenever you post them. And if you refer to the events of the epiphany in any other way, uh, you get canceled, James. It's like – yeah. Uh I, I mean, but but, but, mm-hmm. but we've seen this with our own eyes. Like, I yeah. I don't understand. Everyone has seen the picture of like the granny with her mask halfway down her face, and she's waving a flag. And these are unarmed people, right? And they call it. They right. use a word to describe this that is just it's violent terrorist attack. Well,
2: why, why Why would a grandmother put herself in that position? <laughs> you know, hey, let's go storm the Capitol. Let's take back the government. And let's go in and I'll use my walker as a weapon to hit the club or over the police officers. It doesn't make any sense. There were far more people who were, uh, well, there were young people there, but there were also lots of old people, you know. So the narrative doesn't fit. You know, there were people there who were there to cause trouble and they did cause trouble. And that's who we should be targeting. Uh, But unfortunately, the controlled opposition like Cruz is ignoring that entire event like it didn't happen you know so that's yeah, that's I mean, uh,
1: yeah. and i i think this is double speak i think this is political double speak brother of mine i oh, think yeah. this is where politicians get to go and sit on the floor of the senate and say one thing and then they go on tucker carlson and say another right. thing and they get you're credit exactly for right. saying both things at the same time
2: you're you're exactly right cuz guess what's well, going to happen though, is though. the left is going yeah you're you're exactly right so now the left so is, is going to be taking that clip you're right so the left is going to be taking that clip now. They have that clip, and they're going to play it over and over and over again. And they're going to parrot this for a long time. And meanwhile, Cruz is there with Tucker Carlson, whose message isn't getting half the playback, you know, to, to hear that correction. But then again, the damage's already done. So I don't know um, how Cruz can walk back what he said. It's, it's it's a shame, but at least people will start to wake up and see. That it's really, as Ryan was saying in the very beginning, it's, it's really just uh, one party. And that party yeah. is, go ahead,
5: Brother Martin. No, I mean, it, it is. Politicians are going to be politicians. They're going to say what they need to say in order to get airtime, to so in order to get invited onto Tucker Carlson, to be in front of millions of viewers, to get to explain themselves, to have opportunities to speak outside of C-SPAN that nobody watches. Um, they want to cause controversy because they want to be in the headlines. They want to be um, trending on Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. They want their name out there. They want to be the most popular. Everybody knows a senator named Ted Cruz. Nobody <laughs> knows a senator of Montana. Nobody knows a senator of Wyoming. Nobody knows yeah. a senator from Colorado. But Ted Cruz is is strategically keeping himself in the limelight through sensationalism, such as as this past uh, January sixth. So. I want right. to. I want to add exactly one other right. thought
1: too. I, for for guys like Ted Cruz, he's married to a Goldman Sachs partner. He's had a pretty cush life. Uh, January six, a couple people banging on the windows or whatever. To him, that's basically like being in the green zone in baghdad i mean this may actually be (laughs) the scariest moment of the man's life he might have ptsd from this event he might be having a moment of honesty where he's saying this was scary and it was a terrorist now the question is should we just uh, should we just clear all these 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 weaklings out these effeminate men and elect people that have real experience. I mean, this really speaks, Ryan, I think, to the experience of our elected os- officials um, when they're so when they're so afraid of pot bellied, you know, middle age Oath keepers banging on their windows. They act like this is an insurrection and this is the overthrowing of the government. Don't say anything that's going to cancel us. <laughs>
4: <clears throat> um, I need you to repeat that. That wasn't coming through in my my end. Oh
1: no. My question was whether or not uh whether or not we are witnessing an entire generation of people who have no real world experience. Right? You got a guy like Ted Cruz and the the events of the Epiphany may have actually scared him so badly that he that he thought that something bad was going to happen to him. And it may have been the most frightening day of his life. And to him, in his mind, maybe it was a terrorist attack. And so the question is shouldn't right. we just eliminate all these people that have zero life experience, that, that have never like chopped wood or been to war or like, you know, done real things?
4: Ideally, you should. Ideally, um, you need to have accomplished something really, I mean, to be in a position of leadership, you should have accomplished something. I mean, this is literally the argument that that we've always used. People have always used against uh, monarchy. I haven't used it, but people have used this argument against monarchy that, oh, well, you get an idiot or a child or a senile old man. You get somebody who's never accomplished anything in his life. He's born into it and just just becomes king. And now, now how are you supposed to entrust a ruler to someone like that? Well, look at Congress. Look at the Congress critters. Look at most presidents, actually, you look at Biden. I mean, Trump, you could say at least accomplished something. He actually built businesses and the like, although there's some good things and bad things to say there, too. Um, but but ultimately, most presidents we've got never really accomplished anything. Same thing. All these Congress creators, they go in, they get enriched, they become very wealthy. They stay there basically for life, uh, doing the will of who's the lobbyists and whoever is paying all their bills. So they, they've never really accomplished anything to speak of. I mean, at least you get with a military veteran, he's done something. It doesn't mean every veteran's going to be the most perfect person that ever was that goes in office, but if they have, I mean, they're more likely to have some de- life experience and some serious outlook on life than a Congress creator born with a silver spoon in their mouths that, I mean, like, like Nancy Pelosi, good grief, or John Kerry is another one, marries into money and, you know, there is a military veteran, by the way, but he's married into money and now he can do virtually anything he wants. John McCain, again, you know, a guy that, uh, you know, has lots of money. Oh, but wait, he, he fought and he, he was a POW. Yeah, well, he and he married was beloved money. by daddy. There's he a lot of things money. in John McCain's yeah. past, that, <laughs> including Sorry. sinking an aircraft carrier, um, <laughs> one of ours. But um, it's like, <laughs> so you have those other examples, but then the mass of them have never even served at all. The mass of them are just a bunch of people that are wealthy, yeah. put into place, and they don't know what real life is like. You know, the scariest moment for, in my life, uh, when, you know, with children being in between jobs and not literally not having enough money to, to, to go out and get enough to buy a decent meal for them, that, that was the scariest moment in my life. Mm. And mm. Is, is this going to continue? Right. And, you know, I didn't go in welfare. I didn't do any of these things. Uh, I could have, it's like, no, I'm going to make get overcome this and going to make this work, which we did. Thanks be to God. Um, That that is a scary moment. And it's a lot scarier than whatever happened on January
5: 6th.
1: Well, and here's the thing. Most members of Congress have a net worth in the seven figures. A A lot of them have net worths in the eight figures. That's tens of millions of dollars. They don't know what it means, what Ryan just described, to not know whether or not you're going to provide for your own family in a month and so in in a sense like the elites and the ruling class in the United States they want for nothing James they they don't know what it means to struggle or to provide or whatever um but they don't possess the virtues of nobility that would typically have accompanied someone in their monetary position in other words you have a bunch of rich people ruling this nation but none of them have any idea what it means to exhibit the characteristics of nobility.
2: You know, yeah, in a sense, and that, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I've often had a problem with the way things are done here. It seems like people who enter into government uh, could be considered as those of yesteryears who would be considered as coming into new money. And so there's this whole idea that, hey, um, we don't have any real responsibility to our constituents. You know, our way of life now is to basically pad everything around us to make sure that we keep this cushy, this, uh, cushy office and, uh, and all the perks that come with it. And they write themselves into this exemption, that exemption, they're exempt from anything. When they retire from office, they still take the perks with them, you know? And so for them, you know, there's not really a stake in uh, listening to their constituents. Even somebody as bright as um, uh, Jeff Sessions in the position of authority as attorney general, look how incompetent, utterly incompetent he became, you know? So if that doesn't tell us anything about the people who are governing us, I don't know what else does. So there's not a sense of office, There's not a sense of duty. There's not a sense of, of, of patriarchy, you know, at all in these men, you know? And so this is the reason why we are where we are.
1: Right. Right. And brother Martin, I I mean, you know, the sad truth is, and, and um, you know, there are, there are potentially some non-political solutions to this, but the sad truth is, is that None of our elected leaders, and and you and I, Brother Martin, in the the great show-me state, we have a great senator, Senator Josh Hawley. I think he's great. Is he going to turn out to be another Ted Cruz? I don't know. Tom Cotton seems like he's unreliable now. How many good ones are actually out there? But none of them are truly invested in the long-term success of this country. They're invested in their next election cycle.
5: Absolutely, of course. And then the question arises: What are we invested in as voters? What are we are we invested in as, as citizens? Um, of course, I bring perspective a perspective a bit of eternity, asking: How are we supposed to live our lives? How are we supposed to approach uh, talking about politics? And what are we supposed to hope for? What are we wanting to gain from our discussions about politics? And then putting them into practice? How are we supposed to vote, et cetera, et cetera? I think I've always said on the run on the rundown that, I mean, we live in this life to to get to heaven, first and foremost. Of course, we want to establish some sort of uh, civil society that uh, promotes the Catholic faith, that is orderly, that is structured, um, and that is conducive to spreading the Catholic faith and holding its principles, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But the reality is each of us don't really live long enough to be able to go from ground zero, which is really kind of where we are, and to to build that up. Um, So what should we hope for? We should hope for planting seeds in our children um, in the next generation, um, but also looking forward to dying as martyrs looking forward to, to, to laying down our lives and and living incredible sacrifices inspiring sacrifices so that we can inspire the next generations uh to take up the cross and and, and to live christian lives i mean I think a lot of, of the of the first generation of christians who had really no hope of success in a civil order um they they were persecuted under nero they were colonized by Nero there was a fire that broke out in Rome i mean I guess it was his fault but he decided to blame it all on the christians because they were new and Everybody hated them and so hey, let's just blame it on the Christians and then just kill them all. But the mm-hmm. Christians, how do they react to these 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 persecutions, these calumnies? They took it. And as Tertullian says, the blood of martyrs is the seed of Christians. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of my my in a sense, a dualism of of looking at politics. What is the solution, practically speaking, intellectually speaking, philosophically speaking, you know, the philosopher king, et cetera, et cetera. What are the virtues that you know a leader needs to have? Fine. But what are we really to expect practically right now? What, are, what, what can we really hope for right now? And then right now right. Is, is just to, to speak the truth, to live the truth, and to be beaten for it. Well, uh, here's the truth that we probably won't be beaten for. It continues
6: to be a pandemic of the unvaccinated. So we got to make more progress. And for patients who still haven't gotten their kids vaccinated, please get them vaccinated. Look out for their interest here. It's the best way to protect them. And for parents with kids <clears throat> too young to be vaccinated, surround your
1: kids. So, so he says to surround your kids with vaccinated people. You know, <laughs> I don't know what to say here without getting banned off of the, you know, the big brother, James. Uh, there are I'll say it this way. There's an article that came out in one of the left leaning rags. I, I don't remember which one. I think it was uh, Atlantic or something. And it said that women, single women are now lying about their vaccination status because men are not pursuing vaccinated women because they think that they're infertile. They're like, no, I don't want to. I want to have a family someday, lady. I, you made a bad decision. You're broken. Um, I, I, is this we're going to have apartheid United States? Is that it?
2: You know, it looks like that. And kudos to these men. Who are not as uh sheeplish as I thought they were. And we're talking about a younger generation, right? You know, so maybe uh you know, 18 to, tw- to 26 to 30, or who- whoever these uh whatever this uh demographic is, but that's that's pretty impressive. And that's exactly what we should be doing. You know, we should been doing this a long time ago. Um, you know, the good Lord said, you know, increase and multiply, you know, and that's that's exactly what we're supposed to be doing. And you can't increase and multiply with somebody, somebody who can't.
0: You know, help you
2: to, to, to that end, you know. So um, I, I, I know it's it's uh, starting to be a problem with um, I, I I guess Tim Poole, um, the podcast or Tim Poole um, yeah. had had uh, some sort of um, uh, link today on how 20, uh, 2021 saw a decrease in birth rates um, around either it was in the U.S. or around the world. Did any of you catch that?
1: I, I saw that, you know, and it kind of reminds me of uh, recent comments, Ryan, from um, from Francis, where he's talking about, you know, if you get a pet, a pet's not a good substitute for a child, and it's very selfish, and it's kind of like, thank you for saying that, it's all true, I, you know, uh, you're also the guy who said, you know, not to reproduce like rabbits, rabbits. I'm confused.
2: Uh, hi, Galen.
5: Ryan's frozen. Ryan doesn't like that question. <laughs> Ryan's in meditation. Well, Ryan's like, catching I'm not. You know it is. If you type out the question it. in the private chat, I'll catch it.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I, I'll type it out. I'll type it out. But I'll give it to brother first. So I'll type
5: it out. <laughs> I just this Ryan sniffing his arm. What was that about? Anyway. Um, <laughs> this is an they ongoing we joke we had last week. There we go
2: <laughs> with the rumors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
5: uh that's the question (laughs) why is ryan
2: sniffing the white stuff on his arm that's the question
5: no so i mean (laughs) the the contradictory comments i guess of the holy holy father uh first i mean years ago don't breed like rabbits which i mean Mm -hmm. offended a lot of people in a a particular minority group in the church Um, but also now how are we supposed to take his comments of of not uh preferring pets over children well i mean i used to live in italy and i saw i mean people cohabitating not even a married couple but cohabitating just walking their pets and just living their life as 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 pet parents Um, and then being really surprised whenever i saw a a young couple with three kids i mean it's Mm -hmm. it's i don't think in the united states we're able to fathom really fathom the crisis of 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 uh that what europe is going through they really are are not wanting to have kids and we see the statistics, but of course we intake them and we understand them as mere yeah. statistics, not as a re- not as a reality. And then of course yeah. the influx of, of Muslim immigration into Europe, the 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 problems are, are extremely imminent. Um, but of course the Holy Father isn't helping, and of course he's also kind of destroyed his credibility, In his contradictory comments these last eight nine years of him being Pope. That n- nobody really even pays attention to him. Nobody really really understands both where the progressive or or traditionalists or whatever, the role of the papacy anymore thanks to him uh, because the progressives really know that he's just talking out of both sides of his mouth and the traditionalists know that he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. That, uh, I mean, it's the, it's, the, no it's, the,
1: it's the Ted Cruz thing where he says one thing on the Senate floor and he says another thing on Tucker Carlson. He hopes to get credit from both places, Ryan. Yes,
4: yeah, so one thing with Pope Francis and the Pets is that the original statement is something he's echoed for a number of years. The, the whole idea that, uh, you know, you're going to have pets and not have that's kind of what He's been, he's been getting at. So the, um, and he's not wrong in that either. You know, it's actually fun to see the same people usually celebrate everything he says that are saying, Oh, how terrible for, for him to say this and mock him, you know, whatnot. But, and of course, i had severe, actually helps in some way or another we're not talking about that we're talking about just people who as a lifestyle choice have just, oh we're going to have kids so we're going to get a pet and we're going to treat it better than we would ever treat a kid and dress it up in all these outfits and take pictures with it and give it all this love and attention but it was an actual kid we were like no get away i need to go watch my my netflix and chill right now so you know on that stage not wrong but it's like so many other things not wrong on something he's undermined any credibility he's got guys supporting all the same people that want and not and abdicated the the church's role in teaching the world in teaching uh government what they ought to be doing he's he's stepped right out of that role and said nah nah we're not going to do that oh u.s bishops don't chastise biden Catholic teaching and life issues, you know, don't even, you know, more recently, uh, you know, supporting new ways ministries, which Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. previous popes, one of which has now been canonized by the modern Vatican, John Paul II says, uh, yeah, absolutely not. You can't do these things. You guys are against church teaching, absolutely condemn them. So they they didn't have ministry. Their ministry wasn't legit in the church. Now, all of a sudden they, uh, Francis has them put in and the whole Synodity of synods and more pre synods and whatever else, and they're now they've got a letter of support from the Pope. Um, and so, and the what, whatever he does, he lines with,
1: yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. Um, breaking news right before we started broadcasting this, I became aware of a story today. Um, and I don't know between brother and James, who of you may have picked up on this, but Pope Francis sent a a really commendatory letter to someone for a lifetime of work in the alphabet community. And um, well, father James Martin picked up on it. James, you're nodding. It looks like you saw it. I mean, this is a guy who says, who am I to judge early on in his uh, pontificate? And he continues to echo the talking points of the alphabet people.
2: Well, we know that um, Pope Francis has invited James Martin, or at least held some sort of private audience with James Martin. And James Martin continues to mislead people on the teachings of the church in that arena. So we can only deduce from everything that's going on that this is very purposeful. It's not accidental. And this lady, I gather, um, had lady, I call her lady, but in actuality, she's supposed to be a nun, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this this nun and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, she's still in the news article that is uh, was, was being shared around. She still has some sort of a habit on, you know, which is very confusing additionally. Right. And so these are the kind of pe- kind of people that uh, Pope Francis is putting forward as the idea of what the church should be embracing in the future. Um, and this is very damaging. It's damaging to uh the to the message, you know, that has been constant, the teaching of the church, because people now are even more confused. It gives Pelosi Biden and all those leftist Catholics uh, more ammunition to continue to come after uh, those conservative Catholics, if I can even use that term. You know, uh mm-hmm but it's it's something that is it's damaging and it's very embarrassing. Of course, James Martin um, is in a position now that I, I think he might as well be named a bishop very soon. You know? This is kind of kind of uh, what I think this is all uh, going to end up being is we're looking at uh, kissing the ring of James Martin.
1: yeah, uh, and that's what's so disturbing about this, brother. This is emboldening the alphabet people like James Martin, and this is coming all the way from Rome.
5: Absolutely. Um, I think one of uh, Pope Francis's mottos or modus operandi, if, if you will, is the meaning is in the gestures. The, the, he, he, he's a pope of gestures. He's always in front of cameras doing something for, for photo opportunity, and, and tries to evangelize, according to his ideology, through photos, through videos, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, through one-liners on his papal audiences, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So to take these people that have been condemned explicitly by popes previously about their sexual morality, about the Sixth Commandment, um, and to send a letter saying, oh, we want to hear your voice, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, um, in this internal church matter, as if you were a part of the church, Um, sends a message to all alphabet people, to all, uh, to their organizations, and to those who have been condemned previously for the same reasons, that somehow the church seems to be reconsidering the Sixth sixth Commandment. The church can never reconsider the Sixth Commandment. Um, But that's the message he's sending. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I know that because of Traditiones Christores, because of the dubia, there are Carmels that are being met with by their bishops who are telling them you can no longer have the traditional Latin Mass on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation, uh, that you have to have the Novus Ordo on on Sundays and uh, Holy Days of Obligation. And we will meet later on to discuss how further we can implement Tradiciones Custodes. So on the same day where he's reaching out to the alphabet people and telling them, we want to include you in our church, he's looking at the traditionalists and saying, get out. So these two things are happening simultaneously. Uh, oh, speaking of James Martin, he was on Fox News recently.
0: Yeah, if that's where people are, but I think also the church needs to bring us to a higher level. I think that's why, uh, Father, you're also seeing in the Catholic Church a return to so many of our ancient traditions, Latin Masses becoming very popular among young people, isn't it?
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, among some young people, I think the the numbers are still pretty small, but... I think once again, it's, it's meeting them wherever they are. Um, and it is, you know, sometimes in the Latin mass, but more often in the vernacular and what.
1: Awesome. Did you see his face? <laughs> you, oh, yeah. No, the, younger, the numbers are so small. <laughs> they're minuscule. It's, it's basically all yeah. the young people that go to mass yeah. are, go to Latin yeah. mass, uh, effectively a hundred percent. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know too many young people that go. I, well, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know, Ryan, I, why is Fox News asking James Martin about the Latin? <laughs> like, that is such a uh, what world are we living in? <laughs> We're living in a world where Ryan is 10 seconds behind us.
2: Well, and he's frozen. Well, now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> now, now it's 20 seconds.
4: Yeah, yeah it brings. It does bring everything head. Is it does bring head? Like if this group is so minuscule that it's really that important, you as custodians. Why bring in jailers of the tradition to basically tell "All right, well, you're all going back to the Nova Scotia. We don't care what you think or what your spirituality is." These other types. So it's um, you know it, it's like one of these inversions. Fox News they have a line that actually. They're actually looking at some, a part of the reality that the Vatican doesn't even want to look at, and James Martin certainly doesn't want uh, we, uh, to figure that. The, the whole discourse really shows the light. Why is it, if we're Church of a in mercy and sin and all these stupid lines they brought out in the last five, six, seven, eight years? Um, why is it that they're bending over backwards or for for the alph- alphabet? They're not, uh, you know, they, they, they want to just literally kick all traditionals out of the church. You're going to conform, or we're just going to call you schismatic, and the new Catholic blood to spy on you. You're going and report you to the bishop or even the civil authorities.
1: Yeah. We have Canadians who watch this show.
6: Hey everyone, I'm here at the pharmacy where I got my first and second shot, and I'm now getting my third shot. It's really important that we continue to do everything we can to
1: protect ourselves and our loved ones from this Omicron variant. So please, as soon as you're eligible, get that third booster, that third shot. Uh, It's gonna be how we keep ourselves safe, keep our health workers from getting overloaded, and we get through this once and for all. Merci tout le monde. James, notice how he says, I'm going to get – I'm here, and I'm going to get my – third he doesn't take it on camera. Like, There's well, no actually, syringe. Yeah, yeah. There's
2: like, no hey, guys, uh, needle. Yeah. Hey, cameras, could you back up 2015? <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, do you mind going around the corner as I go in to get my shot? Just go around the corner, and I'll, I'll meet you back out here when I'm done. So we don't actually know what, what happened. We don't actually know he took that shot. We don't know – whether he goes in and has a placebo ready in, in hand, you know, he gives a wink wink and they give him the placebo. I don't know what, what happens, but obviously this is, it's pretty, it's pretty lame. Um, maybe, he
1: knows, maybe he knows what happened to Newsome. He's like, I'm not pulling a Newsome. I can't be out of the limelight for 13 days while my face heals. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you yeah, know, that's, that's a very good one too. You know um you know these these guys are carrying on a charade and it's very it's very it's spinning out right now people are seeing through this masquerade a lot of people actually on that video uh, you posted where uh, at least on on Twitter he was getting ratioed uh for, for that so it's great to people the Canadians are waking up but I don't know how I mean that's gonna benefit them it's, I mean I mean too late yeah
1: you're right a lot of Canadians are waking up and a lot of Canadians watch this show parts of Canada are locking down again that's
0: why effective wednesday january 5th the province will return to a modified version of step two of the roadmap to reopen these time limited measures will help blunt transmission and preserve our hospital bed capacity measures include reducing social gathering limits to five people indoors and ten people outdoors Requiring businesses and organizations to ensure employees work remotely unless the nature of their work requires them to be on site. Closing indoor dining at restaurants, bars, and other food or drink establishments while permitting outdoor dining with restrictions, takeout, drive-through, and delivery. Closing select indoor settings, including theaters, cinemas, and museums, but permitting outdoor establishments to open with restrictions. Closing in,
1: they allow outdoor places to open in January in Canada. What, like, outside of ice skating, what the hell are you doing outside in January in Canada? Like,
5: (laughs) well, technically, I was looking up some weather in Canada, and it's warmer in Canada right now than it is where I am. So,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I mean, this is Canada's locking down. In the meantime, in Italy, I forget which city this is. They said, you can't have fireworks for the new year. And this is what the Italians responded with. Okay, Ryan, you've lived in Italy, you speak Italian. Why are the Italians based and the Canadians just cucks?
4: (laughs) 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 Basically, Italians are so based because so many centuries from government are incompetent government. That includes when it was under the papacy. At least it was bad government you could kind of... you got along with it and whatnot, and um, you get to the Italian nation in inception. But we're basically the Savoy. Now, a now it's a complete Masonic takeover of the government. And then it goes further to, you know, the twentieth century. Mussolini had about the only organized working. Right for whatever you know, bad or worse, you think about Mussolini. Like this, friend, the saying goes: "He made the trains run on time." Right, because normally they don't. And that's got mm-hmm. everyone. So- after Mussolini, ever since, so- fall apart all the time. They're a mess now. Italians, Italians are a mixed bag. They're they're not perfect. They're you know <laughs> I love them. I love living there, but it's as much as we'd love to say we're perfect. Uh, they're perfect. They're not. And. Um, it's It's one of those things where it's government and they know how incompetent government is, and government's going to tell you you can't do something which all common sense should be able to do. They're just wait they just don't care so and that and that's there's a basic common sense most Italians have when it gets uh when you start going against that, say no, we're going.
1: Did you say something pro-Moose? Did you say something pro-Benito oh, el Moose?
5: <laughs> it's okay. There, there's a Mussolini in Milo's. I said
4: that. a historical <laughs> fact, but, uh, <laughs> but they they sue for that too. So.
1: <laughs> they sue for historical facts. They sue for anything. Hey, you know, th- maybe they should sue Aaron Rodgers because this guy is awesome. Look at this guy. Um, after what you said last week about what it would mean to win your fourth MVP, what what do you think of one of the 50 voters coming out and saying yesterday, quote, I don't think you can be the biggest jerk in the league and punish your team and your organization and your fan base the way he did and be the MVP. Okay. I think he's a bad guy, and I don't think a bad guy can be the MVP
5: at the same time.
6: I think he's a bum. I think he's an absolute bum. He doesn't know me. I don't know who he is. No one knew who he was probably until yesterday's comments. But I mean, to, and I listen to the comments, but to say he has mind made up in the summertime, in the off season that, you know, I had zero chance of winning the In My opinion should exclude, you know, future, future votes. Um, you know, his problem isn't with me being a bad guy or the biggest jerk in the league. Cause he doesn't know me. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know anything about me. I mean, I've never met him. I've never had lunch with him. I've never had an interview with him. Um, his problem is I'm not vaccinated. You know, so if he wants to go on a crusade, and collude and come up with an extra letter to put on the award just for this season and make it the most valuable vaccinated player, then he should do that. But he's a bum, and I'm not going to waste any time. (laughs) The most valuable vaccinated
1: player. This is like, hey, I just became aware that there's a sport this week, Brother Martin, it's called tennis. And um, apparently, I don't know, lots of people like tennis. I never watch it. I don't care. But there's this really good tennis player who's apparently like a political prisoner in Australia right now because he's the most valuable unvaccinated player in the world. Like, what's going on?
5: We have no audio. We can't hear you, brother. Sorry. Sorry uh no no matter what country you're in if you're watching soccer you'll see some player make the sign of the cross whether when he enters or exits the field scores a goal whatever there's like one one person in tennis and he ha- happens to be orthodox this guy from Serbia um I can't even pronounce his name because of course it's Serbian uh it's all slavic and stuff um <laughs> all consonants no vowels it's not my kind of language but anyways he sta- he stands up doesn't doesn't get the jab and all of a sudden he turns into some hero going into Australia. Australia, I mean, lockdowns. I mean, it's basically one massive concentration camp. Um, so he decides to to, to try to apply into some tennis tournament and tries to go there and finds himself in trouble. I mean, from Serbia to Australia. <laughs> Djokovic. Djokovic, there you go. <laughs> is
1: political prisoner, James. He's he's being held in some internment area, his visa is being cancelled. Uh, he has he has a uh, some kind of waiver, a medical waiver, some kind of waiver to the vaccine. He's I, I guess he's the best tennis player on the planet and he's not allowed to compete because he doesn't have the unholy sacrifice of the jab.
2: Yeah, this is really fascinating. Uh, a lot of people don't realize. I mean, so we, we've been talking about um, soccer players collapsing the last you know three, four, five months. But all of a sudden, uh, this guy steps into into the arena to enter into the Australian Open. And now the world is paying attention. And this tells you how much of a big uh, figure this guy is. You know, I mean, don't take offense to this. You know, American football is great. But then you talk about tennis. The entire world is actually paying attention to tennis. And so this has become uh, a huge embarrassment for Australia because there are at least 26 players who applied for an exemption. Uh, But yet they seem to have targeted Djokovic and told him he was going to be denied entry. And now this guy is locked in some sort of uh, uh, quarantine hotel, doesn't have, uh, from what I've heard, at least doesn't have windows, Is not, they took away everything he had and left him with his phone. And so uh, messages going back and forth. And now his father releases a statement saying, hey, you know, uh, you guys are uh, an embarrassment to uh, to us. And this is not just about my son. This is about, you know, the 7 billion people in the world. This is a problem because my son is unvaccinated and you've targeted him. And, uh, you know, we're not going to basically quiet down. So this guy's father appears to be really based and uh, he's making big stink out of this. And that's the way to do it. He had cameras on him oh. today. He had uh, uh, basically, uh, you know, sitting out in front of a camera and, and basically communicating this to to everybody. So now there's there's a huge spotlight on how all this is going to be resolved. And of course, they're saying lawyers are saying, well, they're eventually going to have to allow Djokovic to play, which I think is the right thing. But at, at what cost? Are they going to lose the message now of saying, well, you know, we've let one person in, now we have to let let down our guard on what it means to be you know, uh, vaccinated or not vaccinated. So we'll see what happens, you know? So this is actually a good spotlight for Australia in a a weird way, because now it causes them perhaps hopefully to take a look at what's happening around them Mm -hmm. and how their message of vaccination is basically suffocating everybody, including the world number one tennis player who refuses adamantly to be vaccinated.
1: Yeah, I mean, you would think that this would be super embarrassing for Australia, given the fact sure. that like they've made the news recently with you know all the internment camps that they have and and them throwing the people who are testing negative into the internment camps because they because the government says that you were exposed or whatever or you refuse to test or, or or all of that. Ryan, um, in terms of Australia as a continent as a country. They're probably they may not be the worst in the world, but they're amongst the worst. Do you think that Djokovic is going to have a an impact in how Australia behaves going forward? Are they going to continue to build their internment camps?
4: I don't think it's going to have any impact on anything. I think, honest to goodness. Uh, they're just going to keep pushing forward in Australia. And it's all the crown countries are really like this. You look at New Zealand. Again, Australia, Canada, the government in Canada is absolutely wretched. Um, it has been for some time. The I could I take it back to a Canadian author, Michael O'Brien, if anyone's read him. Now, he's he's no And but it, his writing is very interesting. And a lot of his work, you know, details, kind of the tyranny of government. And, you know, even though the guy was, and it was sort of loved John Paul II, thought these things were like the greatest things ever. At the same time, he's seeing kind of all the movements in the church that are leading to the worship of the state in these places that'll give into the state. So I don't think this athlete is going to do much to change anything going on in Australia. It has to be a mass movement of the people. And, I, and there's so many people that are so brainwashed into worship of the government in Australia as well as in other other crown countries that they're just oh well well whatever it takes to go along we got to we got to do that you know it's uh, put another shrimp on the barbie i guess so we're not allowed to have shrimp anymore uh you know animal protein shrimp uh you know soy shrimp whatever on the barbie <laughs> only on
1: your birthday um, ryan only on your birthday <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I think I have a video, but I'm not sure from somewhere else near Australia, New Zealand. I had. where is it? Uh, I don't know if I have it Blast. I thought I had a video from some health official there saying that they're locking down or whatever. I mean, it's just, it's, it's what's happening. And I'm trying to understand this, James, some of the world is waking up. Other parts of the world are going back to sleep. We don't really talk about Latin America that much on this show. Uh, my wife has contacts all throughout the Western Hemisphere and Latin America. Things are pretty brutal down there. I don't have videos for it. Why are some people just kind of like okay with this oppression, whereas others are, you know, they're, they're fighting it? I mean, we don't really have it that bad here in the United States compared to the rest of the world. But even then, we're like shouting like, oh, the tyranny, the oppression, it's so bad. Biden's going to like, you know, hurt me. I'm, I'm sorry. You went
2: off script again, Mike. You said you're m- married to somebody from Latin America. That's off script. <laughs> you are supposed to be I a did. racist.
6: <laughs> you're a racist.
2: Come on. Stick with the message. I'm a
1: race mixer. I am a race mixer. And church militant thinks that I'm a Nazi. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> sorry uh what, what <laughs> no what's going on with like the patchwork
2: yeah yeah it is a, it is a patchwork and uh, the same thing that's happening in latin america is the same thing that's happening in, in africa because you know i still have contacts there too and um the, the way the way the message of the uh the, the global uh covid or covidianism is is taking is it's confusing people and people are People are actually getting into into patchworks and associating with those who want to have that free association, and those who want to remain chained and shoved away in the corner are picking their own people, and they're ending up in that situation. So it really is f- fascinating is people do want to wake up, but then people do want to still be lulled into that uh, fake comfort that's coming from the media, whether you, you want to call it comfort or, or not, but it's quite, you know... To us who are awake, we can kind of see these people are basically sheeple. They're brain dead, you know. So whatever association they're they're making with the news they're receiving, it's basically putting it in a state of uh, being unable to think clearly. Uh, yeah. And this is actually, yeah, what's, what's the name of that doctor? The doctor who came out, uh, I think it's Dr. Malone, but he referenced somebody else. And there was, there was a psychological term that he was using to talk about the people who are falling into this, into this uh, trap, basically, there's not a way out, you know, because they form some sort of disassociation with reality. Um, and that's kind of what's happening. So people, people who do have that ability to wake up are waking up, and it's happening in Latin America and Africa, you know, uh, various places around the world, but it's not cohesive enough to push to push back. You know, so it's it's fascinating.
1: This association with reality. I think this is a brilliant point. I want to kick it over to Brother Martin. I mean, and then and then what we'll follow up with Ryan. I mean, Brother Martin, from a Thomistic standpoint, we experience reality through our five senses. We are. I mean, that is how we have to experience reality. We can't deny our senses. the The notion that that uh, that old uh, old sleepy Joe Biden, the usurper in chief, fake Catholic uh, so called president, says is this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Well, we know that that's not true. That's demonstrably a lie. And um, and my contention is that, that them repeating this and telling us this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It, can you see my breath, by the way? It's like 20, I oh my it's 20 degrees down here. <laughs> I'm still I'm still trying to figure out how to heat this place. It's so Wait, cold.
5: Like aren't you? Every... are you a multimillionaire? I mean, I heard I, I saw a report I, that you're like a multi-millionaire. Right you can't now. afford Wait, heat where you are. I Don't you, have a you know private what I'm jet? gonna do the next what one from mean? my private jet.
1: I'm gonna do the <laughs> next rundown from the air. <laughs> yeah, Christina likes it. So no, but I mean, th- they keep saying that this is the pandemic of the unvaccinated, and to me, like that's th- that's 2022's version of. Of you know, this is a mostly peaceful protest. Meanwhile, behind you, the burning fires and the buildings are going up in flames, and people are pro and, and people are being you know mauled in the streets. So, what they're doing, this disassociation from reality, they're trying to get you to disassociate what your eyes and ears are telling you, and most point what your common sense is telling you, Brother Martin. We as as Thomistic creatures. As Catholics, we have we ha- all we have to go off of is our
5: five senses. Domestic creatures. That's good, <laughs> <laughs> right? But I, I don't know if it's it more. Actually, it's more of a level of propaganda versus like marketing strategies. Because I mean, growing up as a kid, you saw Nike symbols, you saw Adidas symbols, you saw Nikes. You know, just do it. And, and you think that, like, if you wear Nike and you wear Adidas while you're playing athletics in middle school and high school, that you're somehow more prepared than all the other kids who are wearing something from Walmart or Target, you know? And so I think it's like the power of the, the repeated slogan that they're really banking on to really convince people um, that it's the pandemic of the unjabbed, that it's, it's their fault. Somehow that all the things that we're suffering, is their fault. So it's somewhat between propaganda and, yeah, something that you experienced in 1939 Berlin. You know, it's all their fault pointing to a particular group of people. It's all their fault for their own decisions. It's their responsibility. It's their fault. And all the consequences that we impose upon them, completely just. Um, So you're right. uh, There there is a particular strategy that they are using. It's all propaganda.
1: And Uh, I want want to kick it over to Ryan because I believe that in order to implement communism, either in a region or a country – for worldwide a, a worldwide uh communist bloodless communist revolution that we're witnessing right now the, one of the first things that they have to do or one of the one of the integral things at least that they have to do ryan grant is they have to con- they have to break down the connection between your mind and your senses because if they can if they can convince you to believe a disreality an anti reality then they can convince you that communism can work
4: No, absolutely. Communism relies on a disconnection from reality altogether. It relies on basically, well, you got to believe the government. <clears throat> and everything the government is doing is absolutely scientifically correct and perfect. That's one of the things in, in the essentials of uh, Marxist Leninist um, communism. It's, uh, there's actually books on this and if you go through and read some of these they make it clear is divorcing people from reality is essential of course I mean the with the terms they put it in is helping them see the you know the deeper reality of uh, you know the, <laughs> of, of materialism and you know. To, the perfect correctness of communism. That's kind of how they put it, which really, it, and it comes down to the way I put it. You got to divorce yourself from reality and looked at it from the way they see it, which is a dictatorially atheistic and materialist vision of the future. There are plenty of people profess to be religious, profess to be Christians, profess to be Catholics, that they're communists. What they're really telling you is we're communists. We don't believe in God and whatever belief we have in God is subordinate to this materialistic vision of the world that we have to, you know, to accept. And that's why evolution is such a huge plank of communism Mm -hmm. as a Mm -hmm. big chapter in, uh, you know, all the major books on Marxist uh, Leninism that you had, because again, as part of divorcing you from metaphysical reality, okay. And the reality of what a human being is, our very own ontology and making it look like this purely material process and why because it is the very best means they say to divorce you from god because if you know man was was just the product of all this change of elements in in, in a constant evolution you know from a common ancestor's is with the way the line goes now and not not from monkeys they say anymore um then really, it, God is not directing the progress of human beings. God, if he exists at all in this world, is presiding over this series of destructions and death, and in in plagues and terrible things to eventually produce this thing. And the Bible's wrong. Didn't you know? Which means also the God's positive law. There's no basis for that that either because yeah the bible's wrong because obviously we see that man evolved coming in this way so, and, th- and that's part again that that further level of disconnect everything about communism requires that disconnect from reality and we could see it now with the media like the thing we opened the segment in with with uh, ted cruz lining up with the peons of the media and everyone else just just completely falling over themselves to declare how a fairly minor event which might have had some elements of criminality at the Capitol and something that was really more laughable than it was at all dangerous to anybody, right? And and then declaring this to be the worst terrorist attack that ever was. It's another level of that mind game, just like taking a cold that's mostly affecting people who are over the median age of death and now saying this is the worst pandemic ever. Everyone, you need to do all these things. And, And the media has become that perfect tool to enable communism because it helps divorce you from reality altogether.
1: Yep. Yep. And, and I, and I think one of the things, I mean, you have to do a couple things to implement communism. One of the things you have to psychologically divorce people from reality. Secondly, you have to divorce them from their own history. So you have to, you have to, uh, you have to sever any roots that people have with their own history. You have to whitewash their roots. So this is why you see statues being toppled, Buildings being renamed, riots in the streets about you know Gen- General Lee or you know, whatever. We have to pretend the Civil War never happened. We have to pretend that this nation wasn't founded in a certain way that it was. We have to pretend you know that all these people were evil and the only people who are good are people who are living today who are living that progressive lifestyle. And therefore, when you have no roots to your history, you have no you have no familial roots, you have no ge- genealogical roots, you have no you have no tie to history whatsoever. You're open to anything because you're unmoored. From the grounding that your Catholic identity, especially your multi generational Catholic identity, can give you, and then finally you have to make people ashamed of themselves. And if you are ashamed of yourself, if you are ashamed of how you are, and this is what this is what this is what other people this is what Catholics do, they try to make you ashamed of who you are. They try to make you ashamed of your cultural heritage, Brother Martin. There are there are Catholics out there, well funded, five million dollar operating budgets, who want you to be ashamed of the fact that you're a poor monk. James, they want you to be ashamed of who you are. And so once you're ashamed of who you are, once you experience shame for your own history, you're willing to get on board with the communist revolution, and that's what it takes. And uh, unfortunately, you know some of the well-funded, probably, uh, well, probably Opus Dei-funded, uh, large Catholic media empires out there want you to get on board with communist revolution they're agents for that they're controlled opposition um okay we got to go to the next story because we can talk about commies all day long (laughs) um but speaking of commies (laughs) uh look at this video A uh, that's a that looks like a violent terrorist attack to me. No, what that actually is uh, that's people ticked off about Justice Kavanaugh being elected, that's people storming the White House in 2020. Um, that looked pretty violent to me, James. I don't know that should people have PTSD over that. Should we have a national mourning over that? Should we have a one year (laughs) anniversary of that?
2: (laughs) You know, just watching that video reminded me of how much of january 6 2020 was a terrorist attack oh i'm sorry uh, what was i saying of course this this is insane <laughs> <laughs> this is insane you know it's the opposite you, this is exactly what they're creating this this association with reality right and so we were told that uh you know protesting kavanaugh uh you know uh hearing the process of his hearing into uh that that uh, supreme court uh justice seat that was open is was an act of terrorism you know and people were somehow told you know if you go out there and protest this whole you know thing that um you know you're you're basically doing you're doing the right thing and it, it's it, it's it's madness you know i remember sitting there watching this whole thing unfold and was wondering when anybody was going to do something to actually curtail what could possibly happen. But watching the events of January 6th, I sat there going, well, this is pretty normal. You know, this is, you know, people are actually upset and they should be. I didn't see people, uh, you know, creating a situation where they they would have to be, you know, turned around and escorted into paddy wagons waiting to take them away. Whereas I, uh, go backwards to 20, was that 20, uh, 2019, you know, the the Kavanaugh hearing, I was like, where are the paddy wagons? You know, show these people in there already. They're, they're creating such, uh, you know, a mess. I mean, there were videos of people, right, going into the Capitol and sta- staging whatever. I mean, you showed only the outside, but there were problems of people, uh, sorry, there were videos of people in the Capitol actually staging a a, a, a a sit-in, right? And people's offices, senators' offices were taken over. But nobody batted an eye. They welcomed, they fed him, they fed him pizza, you know, they ordered drinks in for them, you know, and uh they let them harass Republican uh senators and uh you know uh congressmen. You know, but that that was supposedly okay. That was that was nice. That was yeah. that was something that uh was very patriotic. But turn around to yeah. January sixth, 2020, and hey, you know, if you venture within 300 feet of the Capitol, you know, they 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 did a radius scan, right? They basically are coming after people who are on the grounds, not necessarily people who are inside, you know, and they're saying, "Well, you guys were part of a terrorist attack," and Ted Cruz, obviously now, is the front man for the Republicans yeah. coming out with this message and trying to create it, <laughs> trying to create this high debt uh, dialectic that, uh, well, you know, it was bad. Oh wait, no, it was it was I, I misspoke, and that's just a huge problem.
1: Well, let let's just let's take a moment. Let's have a moment of silence for the events of the epiphany in 2020. God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet Brian, it looks like uh, these are these are the fourteen people that they could muster uh, to come to the Capitol <laughs> on January sixth to to commemorate the one year anniversary of the most terrifying <laughs> thing that ever happened to Ted Cruz.
4: We're people who overthrow governments for a living. We're scared of a guy in a Davy Crockett Viking hat. I mean, <laughs> look, it,
1: wait, wait, this all, hold this on. All Do you guys remember the horns guy? The guy yes, with the horns, yeah. the that's blue a, that's, of the what thats what he's talking,
2: talking about. about. Yeah. That's what
1: he's <laughs> talking about. He has an IMDb page. You know, like he's a—he's an aspiring local actor from Arizona. He shows up. He wears the horns? His iconic. <laughs> I mean, is this yeah, a real thing?
4: Oh, the best meme I saw of him was, uh, I think, Sally Mayweather on Twitter shared this one of uh, the uh, Viking guys in front of the Capitol Police. And he said, hey, man, these edibles, that they're not. a. Hey, wait, where am I? The Capitol?
6: <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> <laughs> it fits.
4: <laughs> but anyway, the, the whole calling God down, uh, it bless America. It, it, this is something that y- you go back to the rhetoric of that day. Our sa- We we talked about it here on this show. The sacred temple of democracy has been yes, torn yes, down yes. by these horrible Trump-supporting MAGA hat-wearing terrorists, <laughs> and and it was basically an op designed to demonize anybody that that's not going to go along with their thing, whether they're a Trump supporter or not, as a terrorist. Because look, you—it's like if only there was an insurrection, maybe I could get a little bit happy, um, you know, like a real one. But um, you know, but no, there wasn't one. Uh, it, it's like. But you got to mix in that religious element, and it's been done since time immemorial. Uh, Caesar, Cicero, uh, even Pompey, they used the gods at various times in the, you know to, to justify their cause and you know, mix in the state religion with whatever particular thing they were fighting for. That's something that's echoed through the ages. a lot of people have you know, opportunely turned to God and uh, not really meant it, unlike you know figures from sacred history like Clovis or others that they meant it. And they might not have been too serious when they said it. But, hey, Clovis is like, you know, if your God helps me in in the fight with my brother, uh, you know, I'm going to switch to him. And happened. He he was a man of his word. He became devout. It wasn't just a political tool. Um, Anglo-Saxon kings, too. When when St. Augustine of Canterbury comes, it wasn't just a political tool. But the modern state, the modern state is the religion. And so it uses this veneer of God. And then you know it's the one giving the religious dictats from on high. That's what happens when you have separation of church and state. You create this vacuum because there's no such thing. That you, it's if you the church is not over the state, the state is going to become the church. That's whatever little local branches it allows to exist under it for a time. And that's exactly you know where it is. So that intertwining of religion and you know just like after nine eleven, you saw the same thing. Saying God bless America and all this stuff. Completely leaving out the fact of the chicanery going on in the background, or the very evil things we went and did on the basis of that attack, and are you know still doing. That was COVID phase one, basically, when you get down to it. Yeah. So yeah. that is the
1: biosecurity uh, state leading, leading to the uh, leading to the health security state. Brother Martin, you look like you want to jump in on uh, separation of church and state.
5: Well, something differently. What what Ryan uh, tipped off here was about the church becoming the or the state becoming the church, state becoming the religion. Also, previously, James had mentioned that the Hegelian dialectic, we forget that Hegel was an actual philosopher, believed in the hist- uh, philosophy of history, meaning that history itself was some sort of, really some, some sort of gaiety, some sort of, uh, of spirit that controlled the movement of time, the events in history, and ultimately culminated with he himself. And he himself founded some sort of religion, re- church with a, a liturgical calendar. Um, and so he understood all of these things, all of these components, um, and we're, still, we're, we're seeing it all in play. It, it's really not surprising when you, when you study the history of philosophy. It's not surprising uh, when you study the, the, the sinful nature of man that, that we need to worship someone. It's part of our nature. It's supposed to be God. But when we reject God because he, impose, he seems to impose some sort of moral law on us that we don't like because of our sinful nature, we try to create our own moral law. and and call ourselves good by it. And we see that by political correctness.
1: Well, here, here's an example of a guy creating his own moral law. Whoops. Whoopsie daisies. I just knocked our Lord onto the floor. Let me just bend over and grab him real quick. What is what, which religion is this is this our religion
0: which religion is this
1: This is AOC down in Miami partying without a mask, hugging people with no masks. No, no, I I mean, no socialist distancing. This is AOC. Well, these people, they have their own creed, the COVID religion, the anti-religion. They have their own creed, Ryan, but they don't. They never seem to adhere to it. Ryan, we have no audio. James, they never adhere to it.
2: <laughs> no, you know what's funny is... Um, All right, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> 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 no, there's this obsession about you know rules for them, but not for us. Rules for thee, but not for me. There's an obsession with this. And this is the way it's always going to be. People don't get this. Do they get it? Or maybe they don't get it. I have no idea. But the reality is people are so willing to go along with what the dictates are coming from on high, you know, not even, I mean, Newsom has done the same thing. Nancy Pelosi decided to go to a hair salon, right. Uh, to go fix, have her hair done. The the Chicago mayorette, you know, what's her name? Decided to go get a haircut to look more, you know, I wouldn't say anything. They'll get you canceled. I'm sorry. Too much my mouth, but. Gretchen um, Whitmer in Michigan are, goes to buy jewelry. Right. There you go. You know, but yet we're still giving them a pass. You know, this is just inconsistent, Uh, you know, and we should be able to call this out. But for some some reason, the the people are willing to give their politicians a pass. You know, they would rather see somebody enjoying their freedom than to say, hey, where is my freedom? You know. And. The whole rules
4: for thee and not for me that, that we kind of see going on with their leaders, that, that's also a hallmark of communism, actually. The party yeah. leaders, the people at the top, they get vodka, they get caviar, they get all these things. They go to parties, the same parties that are illegal and counter revolutionary if the common plebes do it. No, they got to be at their place working, and mostly women in the workforce. Uh, there's a great book written uh, around the 50s, Comrade Don Camillo. If you've never read any of that, I mean, you really should read Don Camillo if you haven't read Don Camillo. And one of the books in that series, it's kind of, he picks up on a story in an earlier book about the, the communist mayor, Papone winning the lottery and uh, stashing the money. So he plans, so the whole premise, if you've never read it, is a priest in a little town in North Italy, and uh, Papone is the is the mayor he's a communist and he's the head of the local communist party and communism was very big in north italy at the time and so the uh, the priest and the mayor they're squaring off all the time and fighting with each other so don camillo is always trying to stop them from implementing communist stuff and Paponi goes to such a point but will never formally leave the church he's still eating he it's still there's good things there's a lot of interplay between the two but comrade don camilla is the one he got to get to read because then you know don camilla goes to russia in disguise he's got his bravery he's got a fake cover over it, it says pensay lenin you know uh, in french thought thoughts of lenin right and so to try to blend in and he's doing things he's secretly saying mass he's secretly you know convalidating people's marriages he's, he's doing uh confessions for people that have been away for years and years very secretly and quietly but he's also observing what's he observing it's almost all women working all the time. Masculinity and true manhood is dehumanized. And the the average people have nothing, but the party has everything. And this is one of the reasons why the Soviet people were ready to survive the fall of the Soviet Union, because they didn't believe in it. They didn't believe in the government. <laughs> they knew everything from the government was a lie. So they went and started doing their community gardens. They grew their own foods. They raised their own animals. They paid off the local political officer to keep hush hush on it because he would be able to eat a lot better with them than on his paycheck from Moscow. So that's what he kept. (laughs) They kept doing. And so when the Soviet Union collapsed, they survived and they kept on moving. And, uh, but in this country, though, for some reason, we have this knee jerk reaction. You always have to believe the government. You always have to follow the state. The cops are always right. And as we know, you know, I respect good cops who are trying to do their job. But as we know, there is bad ones that aren't. And there are bad things that happen to people who get put in you know, that are perfectly innocent, getting charged with crimes, and their lives are ruined by it. And everyone believes it. And it's okay. But not when the elites do it. When, the, you know, Alec Baldwin shot a woman. And any, any if, if that actor the, it was a Trump supporter, that that did it oh you can bet he would be in jail for manslaughter right now but it was alec baldwin allegedly playing with the gun and the gun fired as one of the stories there's other ones i'm sorry i carry a gun every day every day if i did that i would be in jail if i pointed a gun at someone i would be in jail um you know if i took my gun out and started playing with it that's brandishing a weapon i would go to jail alec baldwin shoots a woman on set nothing happens. And he's up there in a well-produced ABC video about, well, yeah, I'm not guilty of anything. I'm fine. Yeah. I don't feel any remorse whatsoever. A little bastard. You should rot. Um, but he's not going to, Alec Baldwin, I, I
6: should
1: point out that Alec Baldwin has killed more people than Omicron. <laughs> 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 in this country. Um, you country. Know, know, speaking of people who are, who are rejecting the communist revolution, as Ryan alluded to with, uh, with our, uh, our comrades, the Ruskies. um, we talked last week about the Irish, and we and we even played one of the videos of the Irish uh, fake masses from the bogus Ordo that was uh, broadcast out on on New Year on on Christmas the Christmas mass, and it was terrible. I have a couple Irish stories that, and I think that they're linked, and maybe the, the rundown is gonna be the first one to link them. Here's the first one. This is an Irish uh, rosary event where men are standing up and saying we reject this. now uh within a couple days and i'm looking for the video i i uh, I didn't label these correctly so i'm trying to find the right one but within days of this james the grand lodge in dublin caught flames so you have men kneeling down, praying the rosary in Ireland, and then the Masonic lodge catches flames. Do you think there's a do you think there's a coincidence there?
2: I sure hope that those prayers set up to heaven, and it apparently looks like uh, it was. And what a lot of people fail to realize is the power of prayer really is very effective. And so if you come to prayer with a pure heart and you make that offering, you know, our Lord will come to your aid. And sometimes it may not be when we want it, but sometimes it is when we want it. And these signs are meant to lift us up to continue to fight a little bit harder, you know. And so um, absolutely, when I saw that video uh, of them praying and then, the, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the, the actual story came out that the Masonic Lodge had uh, caught fire, I was thinking, well, that's something that uh, is good to pay attention to
1: that's this what happens probably, yeah. yeah i i think this is the this is either it's either this video or this is uh kazakhstan which we're going to get to or or kazakhstan or i'm not sure how to not. say oh no man nah, that's just the u.s capital. <laughs> that is not that's just the u.s capital. we don't care about that anymore we talked about that where <laughs> is that <Anyone laughs> No, but no, look at this guy though getting arrested. Very,
6: very wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait. Oh, I didn't bring nothing. Oh, nothing. I'm
0: helping no you. It's not me. You take pictures of us. I'm 71, you're crazy. 75, I'm 75 not a lawbreaker. We're getting put up on. Look at the amount of police here. <laughs> One van, two vans, three vans, four vans, five vans. We have six vans. Six vans to arrest some old people, right? Right. Six vans to arrest old people.
1: That last video was the CIA working in overdrive. Uh, you can see uh, you can see resistance fighters in Kazakhstan or Kazakhstan. Which one is it, Ryan? Correct me. Ryan's Kazakhstan. not listening. Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan. Okay, so you have resistance fighters in Kazakhstan walking up to the trunk of a car and just grabbing automatic weapons. Let's watch it. Yeah, there's a civil war happening there. I think I have another video where the, the National Guard starts to just defect and they're like, Yeah, we're with you people. It's <laughs> so people are like cheering. They're like, Yeah, this is awesome. A state of emergency. This is a civil war happening there. This is where Bishop Schneider lives, isn't it? Bishop Athanasius Schneider, Brother Martin. Doesn't he live there?
5: Same country. Yeah, but it's a, kind of a big territory though.
1: It's a big territory, small population. Uh people are like done with this communist uh, covid uh fake stuff and they're just like over it. Who do you think is shipping the arms that are like in the back of people's trunks of cars that people are just grabbing? That's
5: a good question. Anybody who wants to make money in the sense of- Well, there's tons of
4: them in that area. In that area there's just tons left over from uh, the fall of the Soviet Union, different wars. I didn't get a good look at that gun. It could very well be I mean, it's easy to say it's an AK. It didn't quite look like the AK lower, but I could be wrong. I'm not an absolute expert on firearms, but there's tons of them out there. Uh, and some of that's the Russian war with the Chechens, nearby province, and guns you know, sl- you know, going back and forth through different countries. Uh, Kyrgyzstan is nearby with U.S. military bases, which also have been selling arms in that area with the hopes of destabilizing Russia. So there's just a lot of them around. From that time period, and all you have to do is get a hold of good cash. Any good weapon you get, even from the seventies and eighties, is still perfectly serviceable if it's been kept decently. So, um, you know, who could say where it's really coming from?
1: Yeah, I mean, and what? What I mean, what does the world need? more instability i mean do we need peacekeeping forces brought in there do the russians need to send in a peacekeeping force that's the question james i mean (laughs) um anytime somebody uh objects to the the communist takeover now the russians are leading the charge
2: oh i'm sorry i lost that question
1: Oh, well, the question was, are the Russians going to lead the charge in the peacekeeping? Oh, to
2: restore (laughs) restore peace. Well, you know, it it is close enough to Russia where Russia would feel the need to step in. Because guess what? If if you allow, and, and Russia knows this too, you can't keep allowing people who say they represent the UN or other interest groups to come anywhere near you. Because that becomes a place for them to basically set up shop. And we know that wherever the West goes, the West stays. And so this could be, uh, you know, a problem for, for the Russians if they let someone else, uh, some p- peacekeeping group in. And so there might actually become a fight for uh, stability and who's going to maintain the peace in that uh, region. Um, of course, I, I would say let the Kazakhstanian people f- figure it out, um, you know, and if Russia sees it necessary to protect its interests within that region, then because it's close to that region, I, I would expect them to uh, to deal with that. But I don't know if the international forces, peacekeeping <laughs> forces like the UN are going to let that happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, the question that I have, and, and this is a serious question. I'm, I'm not like inciting anyone. I'm not suggesting that anybody change their behavior or do anything. But you, you, I wonder out loud, after two years of this charade, where it is, it is demonstrably provable that everything that they tell us is a lie and has been a lie. After two years of this nonsense, why aren't there more Kazakhstans? Why is it? Why aren't there more rioting in the streets? I mean, yes, there have been there have been select, limited riots, especially in Europe, that, and and we've documented them on the rundown, but. A lot of people around the world, for better or for worse, and I would say for worse, look to the United States, and we haven't had bumpkiss, Ryan, in the United States. We have not had a collection of people rise up and call this out for what it is anywhere in these United States, from coast to coast, sea to shining sea, in any major city, any major uh, metropolitan area. We haven't had we've had a couple people in new york we have a couple people in chicago but we have not seen anything on the scale of what people around the world are putting themselves out there to do it's one of the things
4: it's one of the things i noted at the beginning of the uh, so-called pandemic which is that uh, people are saying, oh, it's just Americans that have issues with masks. It's only Americans that, that just don't want to obey. Everyone else in the world's going along with it. And that's uh, demonstrably false. Um, everyone I know over in Europe, uh, even people who are somewhat for this stuff, have noted all the different uh, you know, uprisings, protests, uh, acts of public disobedience to the mask mandates in Europe all along, and now with the jabs all along. And, and it actually is a lot of Europe. Latin America, which nobody's touching what's going on in Latin America, they're having big, uh, you know, moves against the jab. Mexico, Mexico is having huge movements against the jab. And in Mexico, the issue is the government can't pay the federales enough to lock down the country because they just don't have enough money. And so they've actually asked the drug cartels to help them in enforcement. And the drug cartels are like, nope, we're not helping out with that one. Um, It's it's kind of hilarious, but it's Americans that have been the most compliant people after the crown countries, unfortunately. Mm. So Canada, New Zealand, and, and, and 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 Australia. I know we have a lot of Australian listeners. We love you. And you, we know you're on the same page with us, sadly. Yeah. And you know it too. Your countrymen are like ours, our sheep uh, just kind of going along with it all.
1: Here's, here's the video of the National Guard being called up and the soldiers individually just affecting and saying, I'm not going to, I'm not going to shoot my own fellow citizen. I'm going to join.
0: All right, all right.
1: Uh, contrast that with what I mean. Here's what we're seeing. I think this is in Holland.
3: That's Amsterdam, people, by the way. People
1: are, people are willing People are willing to put their bodily ha- I mean, I mean, a dog mauling you is much worse for the integrity of your body than Omicron. Um, and yet people are willing to risk having a dog maul them, James, in order to stand for what they believe to be the truth, uh, which is that this is all a big hoax.
6: Unfortunately,
2: yeah, unfortunately, we're going to see a little bit more of this and it's going to get worse. But honestly, it is encouraging. It's disheartening to see the uh, police state act in this way, but it's heartening enough to pull people together to see that they need more numbers in order for this movement to be effective. Um, Now, what might give people that impetus? Is seeing something like that, unfortunately, you know, seeing their fellow, you know, uh, citizens enduring such a thing, this might put them in the situation of waking up and going out there to confront this evil. Uh, It's been going on for two years and two years too long. um, And it's really a state of uh, degeneracy that the the West, the purported uh, West of civilized, civilized people, you know, is in this position. You know, it's it's very, and then you have the Latin American countries, the uh, Eastern countries that are basically in a position, uh, you know, to, they're faced with the, with the position, hey, go out there and make all these arrests. And they're saying, well, we can't. These are our people. So which way, West? Which way is it going to be?
6: Yeah,
1: no, I mean, and and it's almost like Brother Martin, it's like that that meme, it's like, which way, modern man? Do you care about how you live? Do you care about your ability to worship God in peace? Do you care about your ability to provide for your family and raise your children and educate them? Or, you know, do you want do you want the state telling you how you must comport yourself and which uh, science you must believe and which social media platforms you're allowed to use and what you inject into your body?
5: When we're face-to-face with Almighty God, he's not going to judge us based on the actual policies that are being implemented in our states, governments, all that kind of stuff. He's going to ask us what we did, um, how we conducted our lives, the motives um, behind our actions, whether we loved him or not. As I was saying earlier in the show, that's 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 what we really need to focus on because I, I don't actually know if we can f- fix all the destabilization that's going on in the world um i mean i I've, i look a lot of the desert fathers and the early christians precisely because i think the the i mean the city of god written by saint augustine because i think i think the world really is as destable as it was in, in early christianity i really do and and so i look for i look towards those early martyrs for hope um and for some sort of secret into how we should really organize ourselves now and 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 behave ourselves now and 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 ask ask really asking them what we, what we should do seeing seeing an example in their lives of, of what we should do even now uh, form christian communities help each other um love each other obviously um keep the traditional latin mass live um or, i mean pr- pray and discover the secrets that the traditional latin mass really has to offer because we, we obviously have forgotten a lot of a lot of those treasures um it's easy to get caught up and worried about the destabilization of the world because politics is very, I don't know, aggressive in its presentation to our minds. It's very impressionable. We think about an impending war, and so we get worried because there's physical violence that will come, result as a consequence. And of course, being temporal creatures as well, we 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 fear temporal violence. Um, but as our Lord said, you know fear who can kill the soul more than who can who can kill the body um, it, it really it, it really is an opportunity for us to show the rest of the world um, that we're not afraid that, that we know that there's an eternal life that we know that God exists and that we know that we live uh, faithful to his commandments that um, we will live for, forever with him in the next. Um, it's a great opportunity for us to give testimony to the Christian faith. Um, the question is whether or not we're doing what we need to do in order to give that testimony or whether or not we're just being some sort of temporal preppers where all we're, we're really concerned about are the temporal needs of our families and of ourselves. And um, just just really just being, yeah, temporal preppers or whether we're actually trying to use this opportunity to grow in virtue um, and to really stand out as Christians as something that's out of this world. <sighs> Good question. Good point.
1: Um, why don't we do my favorite part of the show? It's the unpopular opinions. <laughs> this is a segment. Eventually I'm gonna have like a graphic. It's gonna like come in. It should be like the unpopular opinions. Dun dun dun. But we start with Ryan Grant. Because you're up in you're up in the top right of the screen, Ryan. We have to go count, we have to go clockwise around, starting in the top right. So there you are. Ryan Grant, unpopular opinion for this week. We can't hear you.
3: You're my- <laughs> muted. All right. there. Sorry. Sorry. I uh, didn't want you to hear while I was typing and stuff. Um, to follow the trend of the last couple of weeks, I have to take a dig at Mike again. So uh, <laughs> pizza is the greatest food ever. The most versatile, oh, customizable, go. one of the very best foods that has ever been invented. And
6: uh... I just, <laughs> know. I just know, brother. oh, brother, my God. Oh,
1: that would hurt, brother Martin. Uh, brother Martin, if you talk about pizza, that's it. We're just going to end the stream right there.
5: Well, since Ryan stole my own pop, I have to think of a new one. <laughs> Okay, let me, I mean, real quickly, a, a new one pop off the top of my head. Might have to recycle an old one. <laughs> um, I mean, get, given the impending doom, I just heard some news today from a, from a recent Carmel that's not looking good in the sense that they met with their local bishop and um, it's it's just not looking good. He's looking to implement and Custodes on this uh, Carmelite convent. Um, and just not, it's just not looking good. I mean, there are bishops that are implementing this stuff for real. And so it's not just a matter of, you know, us hoping that some bishops will stand up, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe if we just hope and pray and do penance, that things are, are just not going to happen. <sighs> as I've been saying about the 1920s and 30s, 1920s in Mexico, the 1930s in Spain, how terrible it was there. And those Christians still had hope. It's almost as like if just because of, uh, you know, some bishop taking away something precious to us which is the traditional latin mass that it's all over it's the end of the world it's the end times guys no it's been it's been worse before in christian history where where christians have actually died we're not dying yet we're not spilling our blood yet we're just dealing with certain discomforts and that's just the reality um compared to how christians were persecuted in mexico and in spain traditional latin uh, traditional latin mass catholics traditional catholics aren't being persecuted nearly as much of course it's something important because it's your traditional latin mass is the it's the faith itself um but the question is also whether we're going to stand up for it and and, and try to pres- preserve it and if we need to sell our house and and move to another part of the whatever country you're in to, to be closer to the traditional latin mass to, fi- to find the mass um so i guess that's my my unpopular opinion is that as traditional latin latin mass catholics as traditional catholics we're not suffering nearly as much as those who are actually traditional traditional Catholics, those those Christettos, those in early Spain, are suffering. We need to look to them as examples and we need to be willing to give up as much comfort in, in our lives as they did in theirs to preserve the faith and to give testimony to the faith.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: Excellent. All right, James.
2: Wow, this one is really going to hit hard, okay? So I'm putting myself out there on the record. <laughs> <laughs> Because this goes into the, the, you know, the argument that was uh, going around Twitter uh, maybe sometime early on this week. But the Anglican use is basically almost on the same level as the Nova Soto mass. And I say this because the very first argument uh, against the traditional Latin mass was to have it in the vernacular. And so people don't like hearing people don't like hearing this at all, you know, because when you have the Anglican use basically uh, reading as the translated Latin Mass in English, uh, with the elevated uh, formal language there in the vernacular, uh, that gets people excited about being able to, to follow along with the mysteries. But I was uh, talking to people early last week about how this is basically us playing into the hands of Cranmer and uh Edward Edward the Sixth and uh Elizabeth the First, basically, you know, using uh the, the uh, Book of Common Prayer. And people didn't like that. But so my unpopular opinion this week is the Anglican use mm-hmm. is basically almost on par with the with the Nova Soto mass. Mm. And that's it.
1: You know, I've only been to a couple uh, Anglican oh, use couple masses, of and each time, yeah, I, you know, one of the things I was impressed with was, was impressed with. the beautiful use of the English language. And I'm like, oh man, I wish that we Americans spoke English this way, the way the Brits did, at least. But um, it was, it was the, it was the Cranmer Mass with a couple superfluous words to it. Um, I I don't think I can disagree with your unpopular opinion, Jan. I think you're going to trigger some people, though. But, you know, a lot of people on Twitter, and this goes to what my popular opinion is going to be. A lot of people on Twitter this week are like, okay, trads and normies, I've got the solution. Let's just do the bogus ordo in Latin with some lace and some smells and some auto-orientum and some communion on the tongue. And everybody, let's just compromise. Now, I was thinking about that. And I was thinking like, okay, I don't have uh, a lot of my books are still packed because many of you know that I've moved recently. In fact, a lot of you know exactly where I've moved to, (laughs) thanks to uh, Church Maleficent. And um, and so I don't have some of my etymology books that I really love to look at the roots of words. And maybe, Ryan, you you can you can jump in if I'm wrong. But I was thinking about this word compromise. And I think that the word compromise, I think that compromise in itself is a grave evil. Because it's, 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 to me, it's two words. It's, it's, it's comp, which is like, you know, you get companion and you get the joining of people. Okay. So you're like talking about two people, right. Or you get compete, you get two people who are like in some kind of conflict and then you get ram, which is like, you can ram a building. There are ramifications to it. um, You know? And so compromise, I think to me really just means, that like it is the inevitable outcome of two people that are in conflict with each other and nobody really likes the outcome of it. Both sides lose and compromise in itself is the giving up of something good. It's the giving up of something that is true or beautiful in order to make a false peace. And we know that peace is not the absence of conflict. It is the tranquility of order. And so, and there are cases where you can't compromise and so this idea that we can compromise between the normies and the and the and the mean rigid trads and say well let's just do a bogus ordo in latin um that is not good because what you're giving up is the whole theology of the mass you're giving up the whole theology of the true religion the old religion the real religion and and so in that case you can't compromise so i think that compromise as a thing in in english is usually said in a good way but in other languages to be compromised is a pejorative it's a negative thing and even in english when you say someone is compromised that is a detraction against that person that is like a that's like not a good thing to be compromised and i think that if we if we do compromise with the left if we do try to pursue peace ahead of truth then we will neither get peace nor will we get truth and this is something that the great archbishop lefebvre who i believe will be a doctor of the church someday understood that's my unpopular opinion um can we grift ryan
3: so con compromise that's that's pretty much correct um, so it, it in latin uh, you know, compromitter is like to, to basically abide by a, a decision, make an agreement. Uh, our our word comes with French, compromis, and it, which is derived from that root, but it actually means to give concessions, to yield things, that is, take a loss in order to come to an agreement on something. So you got, and that's how it runs in English, which is different from how it runs in Latin. So it's uh, it's a false friend there. So you literally have to lose something to get something and and that's why the word compromise there are contexts where that can be a good thing but i think in in the way in which it's presented to us you must compromise and this that and the other thing it actually means yielding something it's incredibly important Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so does that mean i win or lose
5: <laughs> Comprometido in Spanish also means uh, to be a engaged question. or betrothed. <laughs> right, Comprometido in Spanish means to be engaged or betrothed. Be oh, engaged.
1: that's tough. You're definitely giving up something. You are giving up something of value you if you're betrothed. Oh dear. I didn't what?
5: say you were wrong. I was just saying that's what it means. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's a good
2: one.
1: Okay, all right. Can we please grift, Ryan, what you got this week? Ryan, what
3: you got? What do we got? Well, to do that, well, actually, uh, first, the uh, book club this month is St. Albert the Great. And I've got a lot of podcasts that have gotten mostly done over the Christmas break that are going to go up for the audio section, which you get to by being a subscriber. Weather has uh, complicated that. We got uh, like a foot dumped on us. Yesterday, we had about uh, a foot collectively through several days before that so getting down here to do all that and put it up as been in uh edit it because my equipment for that is here has been really complicated so uh that'll be coming very soon uh i'm going to try this and see if it works i'm going to share my screen um and as soon as it allows me to do that um Okay, it's not letting me. This is what
1: happens when we try to do cool
3: stuff live. Oh, there we go. And can you see this? Do you see the Mediatrics Press screen?
1: No. No. Oh, wait. Hold on. Here it is. No. Oh, wait. Hold on.
3: Here it is. Perfect. So, ascent of the mind. uh, Ascent of the mind to God by the ladder of created things. Ladder. I forgot to change the website thing. Anyway, one book, a single treatise of St. Robert Bellarmine. Just got it it back from editing, got the proof in, but I'm still waiting for my copies. And so at present, uh, if you try to order it, you'll get a back order. Um, It shouldn't be quite that long. I should have next week, but uh, nevertheless, this is a wonderful book. It's an awesome book. St. Robert Bellarmine sets up uh 15 steps by which you can come, you know, to the mystical contemplation of God. St. Robert Bellarmine was a great mystic, uh, in the Ignatian mold that is an active contemplative. So he had so many things occupying his time. He was so busy. People are, you know, hounding him left and right letters, the Pope's calling him down to the Vatican, of course, made him a cardinal, which means he's got to have all these people with him to attend on every stupid thing the Pope wants to do every time. And, and he complained about it very mightily at different times. But he accepted it also. You know, he's like, well, this is what God wants me to do. So I actually I have to do it. And so, you know, here he was. And so he could have really made his complaints known. He's like, well, you know, he mentioned it to people that, uh, yeah, these kind of these interrupt in me from doing the work that I was supposed to be doing. But, well, that's what God wants me to do. So I'm going to accept it. And And he just rolled into it and still managed to find the time. To write aesthetic books. book, so this is much later in his life, sixteen fourteen or so. He called it his little Benjamin uh, because it was done. He produced it in his old age, so it, it was the first actually of all his aesthetical works. Um, there is a eight uh, no seventeenth century translation that's been rolling around. I looked at it and, and at first I was like, oh, I'll just edit this. And as I got into it, it's like, man, that's too complicated. I'm just going to retranslate the whole thing which is what I did, sent that uh, off to editing, got it back, and it it's just taking all the steps of creation from man to animals, the world, all the elements, the angels, and then God himself, all his beauty, all his perfections, his mercy, and his justice. And he finishes this justice in a great admonition of staying out of hell, which actually inspires him for the, the other book he did, and that one you can get from Tan Hell and its Torments, and that, that book's been out for quite a while in English, so. This one is not, so that in, in modern English, anyway. So, uh, feel free to order that one. Like I said, I should have copies next
1: week. Excellent. Uh, I know that I'm going to order that, uh, brother Martin.
5: I'm not going to do something fancy and make my and share my screen or whatever. But um, so I'm actually <laughs> this week. I'm officially out of calendars. I, I ordered a hundred, and you guys all bought them out from me. So uh today i put in a new order for for some calendars so if you want some calendars um make sure you get them while supplies last uh pre-55 augustinian calendars they have the pre-55 calendar there with addition with the augustinian saints another thing i want to grift uh my friend alberto reminded me of this because we're we're gonna try to get together and, and record another podcast here soon but rtf also has a few podcasts in spanish and I know, particularly speaking Spanish, that the the Hispanic community doesn't really have a lot of traditional Catholic podcasters out there uh, sharing the faith. A lot of them are kind of neocons, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But there's really no real trad podcast in Spanish. And it seems like RTF, I mean, the few that Alberto and I have done uh, are on RTF's channel. So be sure to check those those out. If you have friends or family that speak Spanish, uh, check out the RTF's uh, YouTube and and final Spanish podcast and, and pitch them to your friends. Uh, so oh, there yeah. you go. Okay.
1: There's a whole playlist. It's called RTF en Español. and Espanol. And brother Martin, you're part of the playlist. Alberto's part of the playlist. Ryan is showing you his calendar. This <laughs> is the, the Oblates calendar. Thank you, Ryan. You're like, you're like the, uh, the, the Jeopardy lady, whatever. It was. <laughs> <laughs> we I uh, are there any A's in there? <laughs> um, yes, indeed. James, are you grifting anything this week? you got a grift, man.
2: By the way, i got to correct you there. It's not Jeopardy. It's Wheel of Fortune. Okay?
1: Oh, sorry. Right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, I know.
2: Right. So I'm not grifting anything. You know, right now, uh, I'm working on promoting things that uh, basically have brought me to the knowledge that I have and uh, to help you speak a little bit more firmly about things of the past. This book right here, this is called... Fires of Faith. This is by Amon Duffy. Put this up there so you can see it. Basically, uh, this scholarly work uh, talks about the rule of Mary Tudor and her cousin, uh, Reginald Paul, in the 16th century, right after the death of Edward VI. And we had the return of, Ca- uh, of Catholics, basically, uh, around this time. And it was, although it was short, you know, uh, still some uh, various uh, things were uh, put in place. And when you ask yourself, why why, why is it we should, we should always fight for what is right? Um, this gives you historical context. You know, sometimes we might fight losing battles and sometimes that's just what's going to happen. But uh, The Fires of Faith is a very good uh, book that brings to mind uh, what it was like when the faith was being crushed by the Protestants and the, the sort of, uh, work that was done by the people there who wanted to remain Catholic, and um, uh, through the aid of the Queen, how they tried to to, to pull back the reforms of Edward VI Sixth and uh, Kramer. Uh, it's a very good book, mm-hmm. um, and A. W. Duffy generally writes very good books. So if you have uh, any of his works, uh, you know you'll definitely have a very good amount of knowledge uh, brought to but to uh, to your mind. So enjoy this book if you can. Um, you can find this online, pretty much. Um, I don't want to use the a word, but you can find it there. You can find, um, you know, I don't know if Ryan carries any any of Amon Duffy's books. I don't think he does, but um, find this online anywhere. This is Fires of Faith by Amon Duffy, Catholic England under Mary Tudor.
1: All right, I love that. Um, I'm actually going to grift one thing this week. I never grift. I am not a grifter, not a fold. I'm a hobbyist. Many of you know that I, I do this in my I do this in my basement, Um, but I want you to know that uh, this quick Father Jackson update: um, all the monies that were raised for Father Jackson have been deployed. Every single penny I haven't kept a single dime, just like I never was going to keep a single dime, no matter what church maleficent told you. The third-party CPA is in receipt of all of my receipts and bank statements, and he'll be providing a report soon that attests to that fact. I've provided a financial statement to the 508 donors uh, to Father Jackson. His attorney is in receipt of something like $85,000 for his defense, including a $20,000 reserve uh, should his case go to trial. Many of you know that Church Millicent has sued me personally uh, because they have pre-convicted Father Jackson and I objected to their blackmail. Uh, today they tweeted something and I wanted to read it to you. It says, quote, He's barely raised anything for his legal defense and he can't afford to be sued. This is uh, Church Millicent talking about me. And that's true. I haven't asked for a dime for my legal defense. And I, you know what, Church Militant, you're right. You made a good point. I do need to raise money to defend myself. So far, I have spent tens of thousands of dollars defending myself against Church Militant and their frivolous lawsuit. So if you'd like to join the defense, if you'd like me to defeat them, go to com slash defeat cmtv. com slash defeat. CMTV. They're tracking how much I've raised and they intend to bankrupt me because that's what Catholics do, apparently, in 2022. So if you'd like to help me defeat church militant, go to slash defeat CMTV. Closing thoughts from the crew.
5: You cannot spell Niles without L I E S. <laughs> that one hurt. You cannot Closing spell class. Niles without L I E S. Lies. Lies.
1: Well, that's technically true. (laughs) I can't argue with the veracity of that statement, Brother Martin. They've lied about you and they've lied about me, and, um... You know the question is: Are they going? Are we going to allow them to keep lying? Now, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil the fun of the rundown with all this drama. But if you are so inclined,
5: they're attacking the Carmelites next Thursday on the octave of the Epiphany. They're they're bloodthirsty for traditionalists. They're bloodthirsty for people who cannot afford to defend themselves. This is a grave, grave injustice, and proves that their former sins still are inside of them that are are, are trying to ex- express themselves in another way.
1: Yeah, no. I, they even went um, after Patrick Madrid, which, like, I don't follow the guy, but they, they're excoriating him right now as we're talking on Twitter because he had the uh, because he shared a link to buy some coffee from the mystic monks, and so therefore he must be back. No, I, we should all put in ourselves in shock.
2: There. Yeah, I'm in shock. Holy smokes, I didn't realize that because I, I shared a tweet from uh, Patrick Madrid, and uh, I can't believe that they, they would even try to do that because this just brings even the normies out against them
1: yeah i mean nothing that they do is popular they claim that they have uh, whatever this is the rundown